I would like to welcome each and every one of you to Faith Truth and Church on this beautiful Sunday morning. My name is John, and I'm one of the lay worship leaders here this morning at Faith Truth and Church. And um, Pastor Brian is out of town this weekend, and so it is my honor and privilege to deliver God's message to you today. Pastor Brian will be back here next week. If you have your Bible with you, we'd like to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 26. That'll be the focus of our message this morning, and we're going to take a little time to get there, so you've got some time. Um, if you're not familiar with where the book of Matthew is, it is the first gospel in the New Testament, and um, so hopefully not too hard to find. But um, we are going to be continuing today our sermon series called Better Together. And for the past several weeks, we have been discussing this idea that God made each one of us in a unique and special way. And that God also created us to live in community with one another. We've also been talking about how the more that we know about ourselves, the more effectively we can relate to each other, and the more effectively we can serve together to build God's kingdom. And as we learn more about ourselves, we can also work to become better versions of ourselves and grow closer to God in the process of doing that. And as we've been on this journey together, we've been reading this book, The Road Back to You, by Ian Crone and Suzanne Stable. This has been a very enlightening, but also a fun and oftentimes funny um, exploration of self-discovery using a tool called the Enneagram. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the Enneagram, it is a model of the human psyche that is based on nine distinct personality types. In the book, the author explains that we adopt these personality types, each and every one of us adopts one of them in childhood as a way to cope and feel safe in the world. Each of the Enneagram types, or Enneagram numbers as they're often referred to, has a distinct way of seeing the world and an underlying motivation that influences the way people of that particular type think and feel and behave. And as we have been going through the book study, we've also been um, handing out this bookmark with the book that has links to online resources that would help you determine what your Enneagram type is. And um, if you didn't get one of these yet, they'll be available on the way out. You can go ahead and pick one of those up there, and then you can get online and help determine what your Enneagram type is. Now, each week we've been talking about a... Um, excuse me, a little windy. Um, we've been talking about a different Enneagram type and relating that Enneagram type to a character in the New Testament. And this week, we are going to be talking about the Enneagram 6 type and the Apostle Peter. Now, we don't know for a fact that the Apostle Peter is in the Enneagram 6. There were no online assessments during the times of the New Testament. But we're going to see today that there's some certain behaviors that Peter exhibits um, that, that definitely demonstrate that he might have been an Enneagram type 6. He demonstrates a lot of characteristics in the New Testament that demonstrate that he might be a different Enneagram type 2, but we're going to talk about the type 6 this morning. And before we do that, though, we're going to ask you to please join me in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for this beautiful day. We give you the thanks for the opportunity to worship in your beautiful creation and Lord, as we unpack your word this morning, we pray that the words that I speak 
and the meditations of all of our hearts will be true to your word and bring honor and glory to you and will help us to develop a greater understanding of you and your will for our lives. Amen. Now, as I mentioned before, we're going to be talking about the Enneagram 6 today. Now, of all the people that are here, if you've taken the Enneagram assessment or read the book, do we have any Enneagram 6s in the congregation this morning? A couple of people sheepishly raising their hands. I understand. You don't want to admit you're an Enneagram 6. Actually, no Enneagram type is any better than any other, any worse than any other. I was talking with Barb this morning, and she said, this is horrible. It just feels like there's nowhere to hide. Any Enneagram type has its fatal flaws, and they absolutely do. So today we're going we're gonna to pick on the sixes a little bit. But if you are a six, you are in good company, because it's estimated that over half of the world's population is an Enneagram six. So for the two or three of you that raised your hands, we're going to call you the courageous sixes. And for the rest of you uh, scaredy cats that wouldn't raise your hands, we're going to call you the wimpy sixes this morning. Because there's a lot more sixes out in this congregation than the two or three that raised their hands. Because we make up over half of the world's population. And one of the reasons why I am up here preaching this message this morning, aside from the fact that Pastor Brian is out of town, is that I too am an Enneagram six. So with all the humility that I can muster, I'm going to take a few moments this morning and share some of the amazing things about the Enneagram 6. But before I do, I'm going to offer a few words of caution, which as you will see later on in this message, is also a very Enneagram 6 kind of thing to do. So here's some words of caution before we get started. The first is that once you've identified your Enneagram type, it can be very easy to cling to it and use it for justification, for never changing. This is the way God made me after all, so I can do all these characteristics that are of my Enneagram type because this is how God made me. But your Enneagram type is not necessarily the way God made you to be. We were certainly born with some inherent characteristics that make up our personality. There are other traits, though, that we develop over time to make our way in the world. These are these coping mechanisms that help us know what to do in order to please our parents, make friends, and get along in society. The challenge is that over the course of time, We lean on these additional personality traits so frequently that it becomes difficult to know where they end and our authentic selves begin, the original authentic selves that God made us to be. In fact, the word personality stems from the Greek word persona, which translates to mask. So the very personality that we attribute to being just the way God made me can actually become a cover that hides who God really made us to be. And over time, that cover can develop into a barrier that keeps us from becoming who God really made us to be. God created us in his own image so that we could be a perfect reflection of him. 
Unfortunately, we drove that train off the rails pretty early in creation. Genesis 3 tells us that after eating the fruit that God forbade them to eat, Adam and Eve realized they were naked and they were afraid. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the fact of the matter is, we've been covering our true selves ever since. So the second area of caution, that was number one. The second area of caution that I want to offer to you this morning as we get started in the Enneagram. And that is to not wish that you were a different Enneagram type. As I mentioned earlier, there is no place to hide. And no Enneagram type is any better than any other. But it is easy to become disenchanted with yourselves as you hear about some of the blind spots of your Enneagram type and realize how those blind spots affect others in a negative way and separate us from God. So during those times, it's tempting to think that life would be so much easier if we had the positive traits of a different Enneagram type. So the truth is, though, we are all a bunch of screwed up, hot messes, each and every one of us. And no type of screwed up hot mess is any better or worse than any other type of screwed up hot mess. So, not to sound contradictory to the first warning of don't embrace your Enneagram type too tightly, the second warning is don't wish it away as well. We need a savior for the very reason that we are screwed up hot messes. And so there is no Enneagram type that you can gravitate to that is going to take that away from us. Furthermore, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that God has gifted each and every one of us with unique gifts and talents and abilities to use in building his kingdom. And many of those gifts and talents and abilities stem from our personality types. So we don't want to be wishing those away. The purpose of the Enneagram then is not to give us justification for being the way we are, nor is it intended to show us some better personality type that we need to try to upgrade ourselves to. It's designed to help us find our true selves and shed the parts of our personalities that are holding us back from becoming our best selves, the persons that God truly made us to be. Now, having said all that, I'm going to tell you about these wonderful Enneagram sixes. By the time I'm done with this, we're going to have a lot more people raising their hand and wishing they were an Enneagram six. There's a lot of adjectives here for forgive me if I'm going to look down at my paper a little more. Enneagram sixes are compassionate and reliable. They're cooperative team players who work for the common good. Sixes love being part of a team and are committed to the success of those teams, whether they be family or work or education or church, government, social services. They will literally give all they have for the people that they love. Sixes love the underdog, and they will rally to their side to help them succeed. They are always rooting for the little guy to come out on top. Six is like security and safety and consistency. And they appreciate order and plans and rules. 
They have a sixth sense about the dangers around them, and they are often a very good judge of people. Because of that, they can be excellent planners, and they think ahead as to what might happen so they can be ready for it when it does. The sixth's superpower is risk awareness and risk management. A six can see disaster coming a mile away. And they are rarely blindsided when it comes and when something goes wrong. And sixes are capable of great clarity and leadership during a crisis. And their minds tend to be very active in visioning problems before they begin. So they are very great troubleshooters when those problems arise. In that regard, sixes often play the role of the devil's advocate. If you've ever played the role of the devil's advocate, you might be a six. If you played a lot, you might be a six. So we play the role of the devil's advocate, punching holes in all the grandiose ideas of all the other Enneagram types. That endears us to them very much, as you can imagine. But this is why the Enneagrams who are called loyalists, the Enneagram sixes, are also called loyal skeptics because they look at things with a very skeptical eye in terms of what can go wrong. Now, they don't do that just to be a drag. They're actually doing that and offering that skepticism because they're loyal to you and loyal to the team, and so they are throwing out um, those things that can go wrong out of a sense of loyalty to help you or help the team avoid some of these pitfalls that you might find along the way. At their best, sixes are faithful and dependable, and self-sacrificing. They're productive, logical thinkers, and they put their mind towards the common good. They're clear-eyed judges of character, and they can come to believe that everything is going to be okay in the end. Sounds pretty good so far, right, sixes? Any more sixes in the congregation this morning? Now, I wish I could end the sermon right there and just say amen. And then we could all go about our way, loving the sixes. But unfortunately, there are some pretty annoying things about us sixes that need to be shared as well. So buckle up. The sixes' deadly sin is fear. They have a deep-seated need to feel secure, and that can lead to an overwhelming sense of anxiety. They often don't trust even their own thinking. And they often see both sides of every issue, which can make it hard for them to make a decision. So when they're faced with a difficult decision or even a pretty easy one, they can get trapped or stuck in analysis paralysis. In fact, one clear indication that you might be an Enneagram type six is that you went online to take one of these 10 minute assessments and it took you over 45 minutes to take it. Because the answer to every question is really, it depends right? You can't even make an answer on one of those. How do you feel about this? Well, I don't know. Sometimes I feel this way. Sometimes I feel different ways. What's the safe answer? It's hard to come by. As they don't even trust themselves, sixes can even become distrustful of their partners as they tend to worry about what terrible things might come along and ruin their relationship. So they often look for ulterior motives behind what their partners do and say. I mentioned earlier that sixes can be great crisis managers. 
They can act quickly in a crisis because they were already planning for that worst-case scenario to occur. But once the crisis abates and the dust settles, sixes can often fall apart. And when sixes do plan for the worst, and the worst doesn't happen, which happens a lot, by the way, the rest of the world can get a little tired of the sixes' perceived negativity. I mentioned earlier that sixes are often called loyal skeptics. Well, during the course of my lifetime, I've been called a few other things, too, besides a loyal skeptic. Johnny Raincloud, Dr. Doom and Gloom, and a few other names that I won't bother to mention here this morning. When they're under stress, sixes tend to gravitate towards the negative side of the Enneagram 3, which is known as the performer. They put on this veneer of competency and they get into autopilot and they can become obsessive workaholics in an effort to provide a sense of security and safety for themselves. They want to be in control. And often they'll seek material and other resources to provide themselves a sense of safety in their lives. How's that sound now, sixes? More hands going down, right? We can be incredibly loyal, but since we're driven by a need to feel safe and secure, we can be incredibly fearful as well. So having laid out the six before you, let's take a moment and see how things play out in the life of the Apostle Peter. We're going to read now from Matthew 26, verse 31. Jesus and his disciples have just finished their last supper together, and Jesus is talking with his disciples. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Loyalty. Peter's professing his loyalty to Jesus. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So Peter just professes his literally undying loyalty to Jesus, that he would go to the grave for him if necessary. Great sentiment until we jump ahead to verse 69. Jesus has now been arrested and is standing in front of the Sanhedrin with the chief priests and the other religious leaders. Verse 69 reads this. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Peter's loyalty has been replaced by fear. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man, 
and he doubles down on his fear. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus has spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside, and he wept bitterly. Now that the personal crisis has been averted, Peter realizes what he's done, and he falls apart. He breaks down at the realization that his fear has overpowered his loyalty to Jesus. Now, we don't know the motivation for Peter's fear. I can tell you as an Enneagram 6, one of the things that makes us most anxious is when our loyalties to different people or things come in contradiction with each other. When our loyalty to work comes in contradiction to our loyalty to our family, we don't know how to balance that out. And the reality may well be that in that moment, Peter realized that he had other obligations and loyalties that he needed to be faithful to as well. So we don't want to necessarily assign motivation behind his loyalty. Peter was married after all. The Bible doesn't say anything about his wife. But in Matthew 8, chapter, or verse 14, rather, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. Well, you don't get a mother-in-law unless you're married, right? So it well, may well be that in that moment, Peter realized, I've got loyalties over here too. And there's not much I can do to help Jesus in this moment. So I'm just going to stay safe. So we don't want to be too hard on him. We don't want to assign um, motivation to his fear, but it is definitely his fear that overcame his loyalty in that moment. Now, I don't know about you, but I take comfort in the fact that knowing that Jesus, in spite of all that Peter did, and in spite of his denial, would still use Peter to build his church. And if Jesus can use a broken down Enneagram type six like Peter, then he can use a broken down Enneagram type six like me too. And he can use you as well, regardless of what your Enneagram type is. So as we begin to bring things to a close this morning, I have a couple of thoughts for the Enneagram sixes in the congregation and really for everybody to lean on as we part ways today. The first thing I want to say is thank you for planning ahead and looking out for areas that can cause trouble down the road. In preparing for this sermon this morning, I read something that said Enneagram sixes are probably the reason we still exist as a species. They're the ones that say, look out for that cliff or don't go into that cave. It, sound, it smells like a tiger in there. We're going to stay away. The world doesn't always appreciate our skepticism, but it would do well to pay attention when we offer it, and it can't really afford to dismiss it. But please know this. You can't control every situation. God is God, and you are not. He is in control, and you are not. He is ultimately in control of everything. 
And the more you fight God for control over your life, the harder it will be for you to grow close to him. So please consider finding some scripture that you can pray over when you feel yourself grabbing control of your life and taking it over from God. And here's one to start with. Job 25 verse 2 says this, Dominion and awe belong to God. He establishes order in the heights of heaven. So just know that God's got it all under control and let him handle it. The second thing we want to offer to you this morning is this. In spite of your skepticism, your incredibly loyal nature can leave you to have an awesome faith in God and be a very loyal servant to him and to his church in building his kingdom. Very, very dedicated. You can be a model to all disciples on how to go forth and faith in God and serving. But please, please, please learn to trust and love other people the way that you trust and love God. They will disappoint you. They are people after all. But don't just save your love and your trust for God. He calls us to love all of his children, and he commands us to love them. Romans chapter 13, verse 8 says this, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. We can't grow God's kingdom without a genuine love and respect for each other. Now, the good news is that if we truly love God, and as we grow closer to God, it also becomes easier to love others as well. So love others and trust others. The third thing I want to offer is this. Please know that fear and faith are like oil and water, and they don't go together very well. If all you see is risk and danger, you could inadvertently end up denying God in spite of your loyalty to him, just like Peter did in our scripture reading this morning. I can tell you from experience that writing and preaching a sermon can be quite a terrifying thing to do for an Enneagram type six. I mentioned earlier that it's an honor and a privilege, and it is, but it's also an awesome responsibility and it is the antithesis of safe. Aside from all the normal fears that come from public speaking, it's very important that you take great care with God's word and ensure that any personal insights you share are in alignment with biblical truths. As a six who sees both sides to every issue, it's incredibly challenging to land on a message, choose the right words, and then package everything into a logical order so that it's easy to follow. Not too long, not too short, too boring, too controversial, too fluffy, too academic. Should I use the word trait or should I use the word characteristic? Do they mean the same thing? I don't know. Let's look them up. Hey, yeah, they mean the same thing. Well, trait rolls off the tongue a little easier than characteristic, so we'll say trait. But I said trait in the last paragraph, and I don't want to be too repetitive, so I'm going to say characteristic here. You get the idea? It's pretty scary inside the mind of an Enneagram 6. It's amazing we get out of bed in the morning, let alone get anything done. But then you remember that the Lord of all creation 
has asked you to do this. And that he will provide the message for you and even the words for you to speak. So you pray to him for guidance. You turn the results over to him. You get out of your own head and you step out in faith in him. And you roll up your sleeves and you get to work. So you too, Enneagram sixes or not, need to choose to be courageous courageous in spite of your doubts and your fears. You need to look beyond the risk and the danger and step out in faith and do whatever it is that God is calling you to do. And along those lines, I'm gonna end with this scripture passage today from Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse six. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way that we are wonderfully and uniquely made. We thank you, dear Lord, for the traits of our personalities, those that you have made us with, but also the ways that you have helped us adapt in the world. Lord, we pray that you will help us, though, to see the way that you created us, to strip away the traits that we have adapted over time that do not serve us well, that separate us from you, that separate us from others, that make it more complicated to serve and to build your kingdom. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for the Enneagram Sixes, our problem solvers, our planners, And we pray a special blessing for them, dear Lord, that you will help them get out of their own way. That you will help them feel fear and act in spite of that fear. That you will help them turn their trust over to you. And we pray for all people, regardless of their Enneagram type, Lord, that they will just step out in faith and go where you call them to go, do what you would have them do, say what you would have them say, and serve how you would have them serve. For you are a mighty and awesome God. You are worthy of our praise, you are worthy of our faith, and you are worthy of our service. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.